This is Women in a Day, a podcast created to give a deep look at the daily lives of women of all kinds, from sunrise to sunset, with Jenny Halzer and Portia Hensley. Hello and welcome to our very first episode of Women in a Day podcast. I'm Portia Hensley and I'm with Jenny Halzer and we are so excited to be here. We've got so many great guests lined up and a very, very special one first. Thank you so much to all our listeners. If you like this podcast and you're interested in hearing about more women in their lives, please go to womeninadaypodcast.com. Subscribe, rate us, and all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. Good morning. Today we are here for our very first episode, as Portia mentioned, with Paula Elizabeth. Paula is a modern shaman and the founder of the Shaman Star Group, which is committed to bringing ancient teachings into today's world for not just women, but everyone. And we're so thrilled to have you here. Welcome, Paula. Thank you. I'm so happy to be on your first podcast. It's an honor. So, Paula, we are going to start each interview with our guests telling us what is a day like in your life? I have a feeling mine might be a bit unusual because I am single, I don't have children, and I realize a lot of women probably get a lot more done physically before 8 a.m. than I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm bowing to them. My usual day is, it depends if I'm coming into the office or not, but I'm usually up by 7, 7.30, and do spiritual work the first part of my day, which is meditation work. And that could be even before my feet hit the floor, just sitting up, sending light out to everyone that I know, uh, or processing any dream time work that I might have done while I was sleeping. I can talk more about that if you wish. Yes. Dream time work is a lot of what I do as a shaman. It is why I am a shaman. And it is a level of sleep dreaming or awake dreaming, visioning, that we get information through, that we find people who need help or or we need help healing for ourselves. And we do a lot of work in that level. So probably my morning is spent processing that, depending upon how much I've done. Okay. Maybe I haven't done any maybe I have while I was sleeping but there's part of that processing in the morning prayer work tea and then I would start my day which would vary most days I see people either socially or for appointments I try to get some writing done every day it's not one standardized thing it changes so much well why don't you tell us about a day when you are seeing clients when I'm seeing clients okay Uh, that would mean I'm coming into the office and uh, I used to see clients at home but it's much better here because they have more control over the energy I can come in I usually get here around half hour before I start and I start at 11 I don't see more than four or five hours in a day because it's too much and I want to be the best I can be. Basically, I have this nice normal office suite, which I just love, that I share with good friends, two of which are psychotherapists, which is great, because if somebody needs that kind of help, I can just send them across the hall, which I do. So I love being here. It's kind of unusual to be a shaman in an office building this way. People come in for all different types of things. So I will see clients for five hours, usually end my day at five o'clock, meet someone for dinner, go out to dinner myself. I like to read at night, especially. I like to watch a little television, normal stuff. I like my cat on my lap. 
and <laughs> and I don't think my daily life is that unusual from other people, except that I don't have a lot of the traditional responsibilities that other people have. And I knew that from a young age that I wouldn't. So I have a lot more freedom with my time. Being a shaman, time is a very flexible thing. Sometimes an hour seems very long or very short, like to most people. But to me, I can speed it up or I can slow it down in the way my mind processes time. So there'll be a day I'm just like, wow, that was a day? My goodness, that mm -hmm. feels like an hour. Or there'll be a day that just seems like a week. It, it really depends. It can really warp out. So when you say a full day, man, that's tough. It's <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to get much better answers from other people than me. But that's okay. That's very interesting. And I think that opens up the door to a lot of other questions good, good, that we good. have for you. Good. Paula, what, and forgive me for my ignorance, but what is a shaman? Now, this is a loaded question. There are many definitions of the word shaman. It is a Mongolian word, and there are some people who feel that the word shaman just applies to that culture and those types of indigenous healers. Mm -hmm. Then there's people who have taken the word and have used it to describe any indigenous healer, from Native American to South American to pagan-based, earth-based traditions coming out of England, Scotland, and that area, or even ancient Europe. So it's kind of up for debate. You know, you can go to Webster's, you can go to Wikipedia. I can just tell you my definition yes, of the word okay. shaman. And what that means is someone who journeys into non-ordinary reality for healing or spiritual work. Okay. What non-ordinary reality means is a type of a static state through drumming or through guided meditation that takes you out of your body, out of yourself, into a different level of reality. I'll give you an example. Sure. Around you right now is energy. Everything is energy. Every living thing is energy. Since I was four years old, I could see that. I was going to ask you, what do you see? Around you right now is very close to your body, just a little glowing field of energy. Then some people would say, oh, that's the aura, you know? But it's like as if you could see gravity. Imagine if you looked out in the earth and you could see it. You know it's there, you can't see it, right? So for some reason, I could see that. So from a very, very young age, I was aware there was a reality of energy that other people weren't seeing. When did you realize that was different? Uh, four. When you were four, you realized? Yeah, I, I watched the energy around a priest doing mass because I was raised Catholic. And uh, I said to my mother, what is that light around the priest? And she said, there is no light around the priest. At that moment, I realized that I was seeing something other people weren't seeing, that I had been seeing it. That was the first time I articulated it. And I heard a voice in my head that said, don't worry about it, you'll figure it out later, it's fine. And I just didn't mention it again for years and years. Could you tell us about your process of how you developed that, recognized that, and grew into where you are today? I know that's a long question. It is, it is. A kind of a summary of it. I could not be normal and not see that. I tried. It was basically, you're going to own what's going on, or are you going to try and live in denial that you know things about people, that you're picking up psychic things about people, that you're having dreamtime experiences that were, even at a young age, profound, or you're going to bow to this. And did you decide to bow to it? I, don't, I tried not to in college for a little bit, and that went just haywire terribly. <laughs> and then when I got out of college, I found people to apprentice to. So it was a little dance with it, I think, in my early years. There was a time in high school 
as a beautiful high school friends who I still have today. I'm very, very blessed with old, beautiful, wonderful women in my life friends. When I realized though that my life was going to take a completely different trajectory than theirs was. I'm sure that was very isolating. It was. Especially to be a teenager when it's already kind of ingrained in that experience to then put this on top of it. Yeah. I'm sure that was very difficult. It was. But of course, then there's a part of you that goes, oh, special. Mm -hmm. There's a part of you that goes, yay. And then there's a part of you that goes, I don't fit in. And luckily for me, I've always had beautiful friends that said, oh, you're wacky, but we love you anyway. So that was great. (laughs) So I tried maybe to be normal, quote unquote, but life wouldn't let me. So even when I got out of NYU, I have a degree from NYU. I tried to have normal jobs, and I did always well in those jobs, but the company would disappear. We had a joke, short the stock of wherever I'm working, because the company (laughs) will disappear. Three times, hostile takeovers just disappear. The nonprofit I worked at is no longer there. Life would let me have a normal job, a normal life for a while, and then it would just go away. So when did you fully embrace your special gift? I am a very stubborn person, and there were times when I'm doing this full-time. In New York City, even before I came out to Denver 19 years ago, um, I was doing spirit retrieval work. I was already leading a council. The star had just been written, which is my classes. Uh, So there was time, but there would always be a foot back. It was kind of back and forth into the regular way of earning a living, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm 54 now. There's a time when I turned 40 that the universe just did it again. Well, this isn't going to work for you. You really have to just step up and totally own that this is going to be the way you make a living. So when you say that question, there's two ways to look at it. When did I accept that I was wacky shaman from Queens? Uh, (laughs) A long time ago. When did I see that in the world is the only way I could really be in the world full time? Different layers different junctures of coming into it because I would drag my feet at every step. You you have feelings of, oh, who am I to do this? You have feelings of fear of being so isolated, all sorts of things. 40 was a tremendous turning point as well. Was there a moment that happened? Was there something that happened when you yeah, were Yeah, I stopped worrying. Okay. Do you feel like your experience, is that something that you see as very common with some of the women who come to you as clients and some of the women that you meet, stepping into who they are, what they're meant to be, what they're meant to do? Absolutely. First off, when somebody comes in, as we've discussed prior, the most important thing is that they feel validated for their experience and what they've been going through, the same thing I needed. Because there's commonalities of what we all go through, and there's unique gifts. And they need both to be seen. I understand you from an empathic, compassionate place. And at the same time, I'm bowing to your unique gift. And then you guide them gently through love, through compassion, to awaken their own inner gifts so they feel safe to firmly stand in them. It's the same process I did. Do you see their gifts before they do? Mm -hmm. But you don't always tell them because if their self-esteem is in a place, they will negate it. Oh, that's hard. I'll tell you, that's one of the hardest things as a teacher, what you don't say. I once had somebody that had to believe they were a different power animal for a long, long time. And I knew they really weren't that medicine, that animal, the spirit guide. You know, I knew that that really wasn't that. But I would get guidance. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. They need to do that themselves. And did they eventually realize that? Yeah. And how did their life change? Completely. 
Yeah, but I realized that the journey to that realization yeah. was just as important as the realization. And that's what I try to get people to calm down. We're a very goal-oriented society. We don't realize that the journey should be the bliss. Yes. Right? And sometimes you just got to get people to calm down. Like I will say to someone, oh, yeah, you're going to get married. You know, they're all worried. Here they are, 25, worried they're never going to get married. And just like, jeez. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, you're going to get married. But there's going to be a couple of people you'll be serious about. In the meantime, they don't like that. Do you see that? I'm, I'm, I've always been oh. curious about you. Do you see these people that they're going to meet, or do you just know it in your heart? What do you? How do you know that this person is going to meet other people and then get married? Oh, that's that's a good question, because it's like saying, how are you sure of your intuition? Yeah. So like when, when it's something like it's that, like I'm that. looking at their energy, I'm looking to the side, and I literally will just hear it in my head. Oh. Or I'll get a glimpse of their future as if I saw a movie. Okay. Like, for instance, there was a person I was working with, and I just saw myself at their wedding. No, 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 not only are you getting married, but I'm at your wedding. That was like five years before it happened. Now, there's always free will, though, and you have to tell people. They could go out and negate what you said. The future is very flexible. You could go out and just to say, no, Paul, I'm going to sit in the closet for the next five years. I don't care what you said, and you can change it. Do you have deja vu? Like, are you at places that you've seen in the past? Yeah, but that would be, for me, Yeah. because I have a, a do dream time work, which is I'm very aware of my psychic ability or intuitive ability. It's not going to be deja vu. I'm going to know where I saw it. If it's past life, I'll know that. If it's something in the future, I'll know it. Deja vu is more like, I've seen this and I don't know why. Okay. For me, I'll know why. Interesting. Usually. Usually. Uh, there could always be an exception. But for me, I'll know why. Or a person. You'll just be around them. Oh, always gets me as an intuitive. I'll be around somebody, and I'll know we're going to be friends, and they don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we ha we're going to have the best that time on vacation together. So, <laughs> Six years from So now. annoying. It's like, can we speed this up, people? Uh, and you had mentioned earlier that, you know, with the number of clients that you see, someone will come to you and then not come back and then come back eight years later yeah. and you pick up right where you left off. Yes. Yes. I mean, I will let them talk a little bit in the beginning just to, but it, usually if they just say a sentence or two, I'm just like, your sister, right. Okay. It'll just all come back. Now that's not going to happen in the mall if right. I'm running into people. Thank God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if they're sitting down, yeah, nine times out of ten, it, it could be years ago, and I'll just start looking at their energy. It's the same energy I saw once before. There's their story in their energy. Does each person have a different energy? That, no, of course. Like it's like your DNA. Oh, yes, wow. of course. It's like your DNA, and that energy connects you to everything you like, dislike, mm -hmm. love, hate. You know, it connects you to everything. Particularly, like, people come in, I can see their whole family. And that's a, a something worth mentioning is that you have a, a really wide variety of clients from all backgrounds, all professions, but you really become a very trusted ally for people and they really look to, like you have a very close relationship with your clients. The best work I do is ongoing work. I mean, there's always people that come in and they just need a touchstone. They're, they're at a juncture. They need some guidance. Honored. To help them. But the best work I do, I feel, and the one that for me is more personally rewarding is when people come for a while or they're coming regularly. Yeah. I can see their whole life shift in that period of time. Now, it's like anything in life, though, right? 
if you put in the effort, you get more results. Whether that be from the star class that I teach, whether that be from in-person one-on-one sessions or anything. But there are people with serious karmic blocks, things that they really came here to work on. And I'll just pick up, I need you to, could you do this? I need you just to, to repeat this as a mantra. Could you just do this? And it won't even seem related, but I can know it's changing their brain pattern. It's changing their inner deep beliefs and they get results. They really do see significant results into their happiness and finding their divine purpose, uh, awakening why they're really here, feeling more authentic within themselves. And that to me is true bliss. To help somebody do that is true bliss because all I can do is open the door. They have to walk through. And you see that. time. You get every so often some people who want, in our culture, instant fix. And I certainly hope and am honored to be any way helpful I can be. But... It's like anything. I think you're one of few people I've ever met who tells people life is very long. I think we as a culture are constantly being told to seize the day and that we have to do it all now. And you have a very different message. Oh, it's like a tree growing and a tree doesn't grow overnight, you know, but you do want to keep the tree healthy and work on it. Self-care, the self-love. Are you feeding your mind good things? Are you feeding your energy good things? What results would you like to get? You know, the Dalai Lama has said very clearly that the purpose of our life is happiness. And he understands that true happiness is compassion. So, not the selfish thing, right? So you have to guide people to the self-esteem where they feel they're worthy of that happiness through their divine purpose, through their work, and then they will automatically extend that to other people. And that's where the real healing comes in. That's what I'm honored to do, is guide people, do that through the modality of shamanism, through what I was born to be. Do most people come to you because they want you to give them a reading, or do they come to you because they just want to talk to somebody, like a therapeutic type of thing, or do they come to you because they need to be healed? What do people... Everything. Just... Everything everything across the board. Now, uh, shamanism is a path of personal responsibility. You are creating this life, and I view it as a garden or a piece of art that you're creating with your energy. Your energy leads to your thoughts, your actions, everything. But it's your energy first. What I'm trying to guide them to in any situation is taking that responsibility joyfully, not as a burden, not as an effort, not as something they're being corrected to do, but something that just is. Some people have chosen to come in in very difficult circumstances. Some people have gone through incredible tragedy and hardship. And you lead people to this sense of joyful responsibility gently. You don't berate them into it. That's a big failing in some of the New Age community, where people, oh, well, you created that. You manifested that. It's a bunch of nonsense. Nobody would manifest anything painful on purpose. Right. You have to lead them to responsibility for their lives with compassion. And then you see the results. The freedom from fear, the move into love, is what this is all about. Paula, tell us more about the power animal. Jenny told me. <laughs> Everybody loves Everybody a power loves animal. It. Jenny told me about it, which I mistakenly told my seven-year-old son about. And he has been obsessed for months now Aww. since Jenny told me. He's every week, Mom, when are we? When am I? He calls it his spirit animal. So when precious. When am I going to get my spirit animal? When I'm gonna, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. We need to contact Well, her sons her. did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. She told me all They're about it. They're the new it. baby baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
flying off the shelf. But it really Oh yes, we just shamanic toys. Oh my gosh. What's so your tell medicine? Tell us about it because I've also told some other people after Jenny told me kind of how you take people through this process. Well, why don't we talk about, because that's one component of the group that you do, yes. which is the STAR. So the why star. don't you talk to us about the STAR okay. and, and lead what into that, that looks like and yeah. what some of the teachings are. Okay, so years ago, I would say in my early 30s, uh, the word channeled is just so vague and new agey. I, I woke up one morning and I heard these words in my head. If I'm going to get a message or something I really need to do, it's going to be first thing in the morning because that's when the mind is clearest for me and the 12 words of the outer star 12 points like imagine a star and each point has a different quality came through and they were all divine qualities like courage strength wisdom trust love things that you would wish to embody wish to be wish to know that you are and the whole process of leading people myself first of course around the star in a clockwise fashion from trust to light was the first step in the star classes and each star point had a different type of shamanic work meditation be it type of spirit retrieval recapitulation quickening each point had also a shamanic link to a word that is commonly known in the shamanic community like spirit retrieval or one that was more proprietary to the star like sacred provocations basically power animal would be the foundation it's something that we do in the point of trust which is kind of great because people just come into this class and they don't maybe know that much about shamanism or maybe they've read a lot they come in and i just boom we're gonna find your medicine we're gonna find power animal now bowing to native communities we are using some words that are western native words like medicine it is just because there's no better word for it it's not trying to appropriate anything from that culture there's just no better word for it right so what the word medicine means in this context is this animal is you it gives you a perspective on yourself that is healing thus the word medicine there are some people that believe you actually were incarnate as that animal at one point there's some people believe it's just a spirit helper that you can go get energy and strength from. And there's some people that believe they can shapeshift right into that medicine in this current moment and have the impeccability, the focus, the stealth that animal would possess. Can you tell how you find those animals? Uh, the way I do it, and there's other ways, sure. but the way I do it is through a guided journey, usually with a drum because the drum replicates the heartbeat in the womb and this is so elemental to who you are it is so a part of your dna and your primary mess if that's a word that you really almost want to go back and give out birth type experience and so that meditation is done the same way every time i don't change it usually when i'm teaching i'll alter meditation to a group because I'll look at their energy as I'm doing it and say, go faster, go slower. Not so much power animal. has to be done the same way. Mm. And everybody gets an animal. It's really amazing. And the people who come out of that meditation and they'll go, I didn't see anything. I'm like, what'd you see? Well, there was a feather, you know. <laughs> and I will say, as someone who had that experience, um, I was sure I was going to see nothing. Mm -hmm. And it came to me and... What it's was your power animal, Jenny? A wolf. But it's interesting because on the one hand, I was so relieved that I got something. And then I was instantly like, I don't think that's me. And so many people in our group had that experience. And Paula said, 
look at you. You know, like you're wearing a big gray sweater. <laughs> you have all these kids. You're on your own with them a lot. Um, I and, totally saw what, when you said I was like, yeah, totally. But it's so She's interesting. such a pack leader. And, yeah. and it's interesting because there were some people, like Paula said, who were like, I didn't see anything, and I don't want to give it away. One woman said, I didn't see anything. I just heard laughing. And Paula said, look at your pants. And this woman's pants were embroidered with waves. And Paula said, you see the joy in everything. You bring joy everywhere. You are a dolphin. The other one that was really impactful was someone was a woodpecker. And you would never think, like, what the hell am I going to do with a woodpecker? And as I've gotten to know that person, she said, that is me to a T. That when I commit to something, I commit. Gets it done. And I can bang my head against a phone pole for years and you have to see the less desirable traits I think of that and then you really embrace the positive aspects and it's very soothing it is incredibly soothing every medicine has its gifts and its challenges yes after a while you'll see the challenge is a gift too mm-hmm. because it's it's teaching you about yourself mm-hmm. and also the best thing about your power animal or medicine is that it makes you accept yourself the way you wouldn't criticize that woodpecker right it's just being a woodpecker it's doing what it's it, meant and, to do and people are so lost in self critique that they don't realize well, why don't you just accept that trait about yourself mm-hmm. and through that acceptance and unconditional love it will ease it will change, and you can utilize it in a way that will help others and help yourself. Right. I mean, if there weren't the stubborn people willing to move mountains, where would we be? Right. You know? So it's it's embracing all characteristics of self, and these are traits that you're born with. This is really your intrinsic nature. It's embracing that. For instance, I'm mountain lion. I always tell the funny story that I thought I was a bunny or something, <laughs> and I had no idea, and I was in the desert doing this in 4 o'clock in the morning or something freezing and uh, as soon as we went into the dream this just cat jumped at my face with the white around the mouth and I had to ask people so I was 24 what's the cat with the white around the mouth because I was so dumb you know so naive yeah and then once I learned about the mountain lion oh god did that make sense and you've talked about having that empathy that you meet clients with of I see you I validate your experience one of the main focuses of the star is that everyone has that capacity that everyone can be a healer and I know that's what you tell clients can you talk a little bit about how we can all meet the world, meet each other and ourselves in just that deep empathy empathy is the energy that will heal the world, absolutely Uh, it's one of the second to last points in the inner star the year long shamanic class journey that we take together in shaman star and If we can't be able to feel empathy for the earth as a living organism, empathy for a fellow man, it was very, very, very hard to really heal anyone. To be able to stand in someone else's shoes just for a moment and allow yourself to experience what they're experiencing safely will allow you to know exactly how to help them and therefore help yourself. Empathy understands the oneness and interconnection of all energy, of all life. It's the truth of the way energy works, and that's why in the Shaman Star, the next point is oneness, because they feed right into each other. Mm -hmm. Moving into a society that would embrace that would change our culture completely. I mean, how could we 
allow somebody else to be hungry if their hunger was our own. This is where every religion, every great saint, every great seer and mystic has always been saying, none of this is new. Right. Maybe this approach is different. Compassion's the first step. Compassion, especially for the self, that self-love. And then the next step is empathy. For me, empathy is more of an outward process. I'm empathizing with you or that animal or even that tree. I see less of a barrier between you and I. I see the truth of oneness. Therefore, how can I not help you? How can I not help you even joyfully? For to help you is to help myself. And tying into that, this year-long process, and also you know, your lesson that we are here on this earth with plenty of time to do the things we want, one of the points of the star is synchronicity. And I think the example you gave of that is the one about soup. Could you talk to us about synchronicity and how we should let things unfold in their own time? Oh, I love this. I love that you keep bringing it back to that. That's, it's beautiful, beautiful points. You're right. It's very important that people hear that right now. So if you're making soup in the kitchen, there's a moment where all the ingredients become soup. It's just water, vegetables, whatever you're putting in. And there's a moment, that magic moment when it's actually soup. And that's the same way with spirituality. You're basically on a path in your life and you're adding in different ingredients. You went to this college, you took this yoga retreat, and it's not quite soup yet for you. <laughs> it's, it's maybe still different ingredients. And your journey is to make that one nutritious meal, that one nutritious art that you've created, that life. It does take time. It does. And that journey should be blissful, enjoyable. It should be the art of your life. So spirituality isn't a goal. Yes, we like to be happier, live in abundance, have good health. Yes. But it should be more like, I just enjoy this. Like I could not do this. Right. I didn't, I didn't really start this thing. Oh, this is a goal. You know, this is just who I am. The synchronicities that you're talking about are the little winks from the universe, you know, that kind of tell you you're on the right path. When you're happy, when you're in a place of trust, when you decide that the universe is working in your favor because you're creating this life together with your guides, allies, and all those who love you, then you open the door for synchronicities. Mm -hmm. There isn't anyone in the star that doesn't start to experience being in the right place at the right time and just starting to feel like they're more in the flow of life, like it's becoming soup. It's all starting to flow. Life isn't this difficult uphill climb anymore. It really is watching the roses start to bloom. And I think a very powerful thing to start to be able to manifest, especially with the way things are in the world right now. Mm. I think if you can put that energy to use, it's incredibly impactful. Very incredibly impactful. And you, you want to understand that even if, you know, there's so much goodness with activism, social change going on, yes, but bring that energy to it. Start feeling some flow in your life. Oh, I see the reasons for this. I see the flow. You'll start to see the reasons for other things, even socially and in our society, and it will help give you the push of strength to go to the next level. Okay, so we're going to have two standard questions for all of our guests. <laughs> One, who is your support system? Well, I have beautiful family. My mother and father are still alive. I'm an only child, and at one point they remarried, so I was an only child with four parents, a blessing and a curse. They don't quite understand what I do. But my mother is so psychic, she won the lottery, so she kind of gets it. But my dad 
from Brooklyn, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're supportive in the way that they accept it. They accept who I am, and that's beautiful. I am blessed with friends. I am really been able to make sisters since kindergarten, mm-hmm. and I know them still. So my friends from New York, I've known for 40 years. Also, I think with friends, mm-hmm. the support system, you nurture, you take care, you realize what a gift they are. Mm-hmm. You show appreciation. And even with older friends, if we hadn't seen each other for years, we come back, it's like you don't miss a beat. This is important. And then the biggest support system, I would think, of course, is spirit, guide and allies. Amachi, who is the hugging saint from India, who I've been seeing for half my life since I was 27 years old every year. That's a huge support energetically. Mm-hmm. So it's big. I, I could not be more grateful. And then last, uh, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? This is really tough. There's so much. There is something really, really cute, though, that my father has said to me since I was a little girl that I love. And I've said this to people a few times. And he says, says it, of course, in this heavy Brooklyn accent. I'm not going to do the accent right now, but um, but he always would say to me when I was a little girl, because I was shy, only child. I'm seeing energy. You can imagine, right? And he would say, Cinderella never got discovered sitting at home. She had to go to the ball. Love it. Oh, that's very that's sweet. A good one. Yes. And it's, the ball was life. So at every juncture, when I was nervous or afraid to be the wacky shaman or to go and really be seen authentically, I would think about putting on the dress. That reminds me of my favorite quote, which I think could be good for you. It is, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Similar. Well, Paula, thank you so much for joining us. And where can our listeners find you? Because I know people are going to want to learn more. Shamanstar.com. We have a mailing list. Come and join our beauty. And if it appeals to your heart, there is no end to what garden you can grow and what bliss you can live in this world. That is the whole point of this. We would love, love, love to meet new people and spread this happiness. This has been the Women in a Day podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Paula Elizabeth, and thank you for listening. To learn more, you can visit our website at womeninadaypodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram at womeninadaypodcast. And make sure you tune in next time for our next guest, Allegra Wormuth, who is an amazing violinist, yoga teacher, and we think you're just going to love that episode as well. Thank you so much to Tony Tarbox, our extraordinary editor, and to Hillary Blair for loaning her voice to our introduction. But most of all, thank you to our listeners. 